Uh, welcome back to the Funny Books and Firewater podcast. We're a drinking podcast with a comic book problem. Shake the shit out of it. So I don't know if you want me to share this, but I have a huge spoiler I can tell you about how to tell if a mo- of a person in a movie is a villain or not. Oh, this sounds interesting. So they're alive. not using an iPhone. Yep, because oh. Apple will not allow people who are villains to mm-hmm. use the iPhone. So uh, did everyone hear see Peacemaker? I know. Yeah. Uh, all right. There's a certain character who you're led to believe is the bad guy, but he's using an iPhone. So the moment uh-huh. you see that, you're like, oh, nope, he's a good guy. So. <laughs> yeah. So what they should do yeah, is we, if we ever make a movie, and we should do this sometime because we're all very smart. When I'm not being facetious. We all are very smart mm-hmm. um, and have ideas what show business is like. We should make my a movie word work. all game today says otherwise, <laughs> which is a direct link to the word movie. Um, <laughs> but I think we should make a movie where everyone uses Android. So we have no idea. So every, even people who know that, oh, hey, this is how it works. Everyone's got Android. And so yeah. what if I have a web OS device? Uh, then you are very old. I had one of those tablets, by the way, the HP tablet that uh-huh. was web OS because I was working at Best Buy and they said, hey, we're not going to do it. We're going to discontinue it. And it was before LG bought web OS for their TVs. Mm-hmm. And I happened to be at a store and they clearanced all of them out from like 500 bucks to 50 bucks. And I just happened to be in the store when they, it was Riverdale Best Buy actually, when they put them out. And I was like, yoink, 50 bucks for my first tablet. It wasn't a bad tablet. It just wasn't supported. But sure. That was my first experience with the tablet. Cool. R- riveting, huh? Riveting stuff. It, it is. It is. <laughs> uh, hey, and welcome to uh, another episode of the Funny Books and Firewater podcast. We are beginning Lena's favorite month we have ever yes. done of all time. We're going to have it's a very happy It is going to make up for, <laughs> I don't know if it'll make up for all the months of books that Lena hated, but uh, I think we're so far, from <laughs> my understanding, we're doing fairly well in what we picked for for this month. Um, yes. Yep. And so we are starting out with uh, My Friend Dahmer by Durf Bachter. Durf Bachter. Which I don't think his first name is actually Durf. I think that's the nickname he goes by, if I remember correctly. That but, is his nickname that he yeah. goes by. Yeah. But um, anyway, uh, so yeah, yeah, it's it's an interesting situation where you have someone who is actually involved in the main uh, character's life, um, especially a serial killer who was actually writing about what they were like as a high schooler because they were actually in high school and junior high with them. So um, all of our uh, gruesome friends we have here with us, we have Adam, we have Todd, we have Lena, we have me, I am Brian. Hi, how are you? Hi. <laughs> and uh, Mr. Adam, what is our cocktail for this week? Uh, yeah, so our cocktail is called sulfuric acid. You're going to take a glass, you're going to add one and a half ounce of mandarin vodka, half ounce of apple liqueur, half ounce of lime juice, four ounces of ginger beer, and two drops of green food coloring. You're going to Stir vigorously and top with ice. Nice. Uh, cool. Well, Lena, since this is your month, you get to do the honors. What is your drinking game rule for this week? Um, for my friend Dahmer, it's going to be Harau. Or hawao, I guess is oh. the best way to put it. Um, every time there is a Dahmerism, mm-hmm. uh, or he is <clears throat> being in, uh, disrespectful, I guess is the best way to put it. <laughs> Gloriously to not others well. in his actions and how he speaks. Mm-hmm. Um, take a drink, and um, in certain portions of the book, these small very steps. small steps. Small steps. Yes, yes. Uh, Mr. Todd. Mine is. I'm not that surprised, but <laughs> okay. <laughs> So every time the narrator is talking about Dahmer and going, this is what we saw. This should have been a sign, but yeah. it just kept going. That is similar to one of mine, but uh, also what Adam's is. Okay. Uh, yeah, so actually, that's very similar to mine, too. And I'm going with the uh, Lena drinking game from Cross called Therapy. Uh, <laughs> basically, every single time it talks about the fact that someone should have reached out, where was the adult, uh, how it could have changed things, uh, pick a drink. 
Yeah, so that sort of that captures one of mine, which was uh, where are the adults? Like every time you're like, there should have really been some adult intervention here at some point in time. Uh, and then my other one was Dance Monkey Dance. Every time his friends uh, make him do one of his weird impersonations mm-hmm. or freakouts or whatever, um, take a drink. And that also probably needs to be small sips. Uh, the um, the time other one I was thinking was um, nobody cares. <laughs> Yeah, we all kind of had the same idea of what we were thinking yeah, about. Well, and you're just like Ugh. it's hard. Dahmer it's hard. He's so I'm I'm just I'm gonna get into it because Yeah, yeah um, let's do it. I I've done um okay, so preface this this whole month with I am a big fan of uh as last podcast on the yeah. left with dub heavy hitters. Uh <laughs> I have listened to um quite a bit of true crime, mostly from the lovely men from last podcast, um, mainly because they're funny as hell. If you haven't listened to them, you need to, they cover more than just murders and, and yeah, but murders are the best episodes. The murders are the, well, and the cults. Yes. Murders and the cults. The, the cults, cults are, really are also my favorite. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> Obviously I am also episode, a, a big time listener as well. I listen to that show. Quite yes. Bit, if you so. want an episode to start with, just giving it a quick promo here. Uh, episode, 222 is manifestos and is some of the funniest shit I've ever listened to. And um, yeah. So with that Dahmer, they did one on Dahmer years ago and um, he just really needed like a real friend and someone to be like, dude, what's up? Like Mm -hmm. you just seem so like he just needed a real friend, not people that wanted to like make fun of him or were like creeped out by him um, or other fucking weirdos. His parents were were just completely negligent. All of the teachers, like no one cared. It was a very mm-hmm. strange thing. Um, and what I thought was was interesting about this book, bringing bring it even more into my lovely realm of things, is on the back cover is a quote by Chuck Klosterman. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, right, author of Sex, Drugs, and Cocoa Puffs, my favorite book. And um, he even talks about how like it's disturbing and everything, but it's also about the institutionalized weirdness of the suburban 70s um, and, you know, and then, you know, feeling sorry for somebody who probably didn't really shouldn't deserve to, you know, that kind of sympathy, but um, it's hard to get through. They actually made a movie based on this Mm -hmm. uh, Mm -hmm. in 2017, same name, my friend Dahmer, um, Ross Lynch of uh, R5 and Driver Era and um, teen teen beach movie on Disney uh, fame. And then Alex Wolf actually plays Durf. Um, and God help me, Anne Heche plays uh, Hesh, Kate, whatever you say her name, mm-hmm. uh, plays Joyce Dahmer. So um, I tried watching it because I, again, have listened to and read things on Dahmer before. And it's it's actually harder to watch the movie than it was to read this book. I agree with that. I've seen that movie. The movie so, yeah. was, mm-hmm. it, I could not, it, it took me days to get through it because it is heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking mm-hmm. to watch someone who just did not like there is definitely some there was something there that just didn't fit. It was also the fact that he was obviously homosexual and just could not deal with the fact that he liked men and there was a lot of internalized homophobia that came with that. Um some of 
the boys that he ended up trying that he got with were underage, which was another mm-hmm. thing. Like there was just a lot that went on with this. Um, but it was interesting that when you read, and he even mentions it in the book, um, when Dahmer was interviewed, he said he had friends in high school and he had mm-hmm. all this stuff. And as much as they weren't true real friends and they didn't really want him around, they kept him around as entertainment. For him, it was real. Mm-hmm. For him, they were real friends. And um, you know, and I the the fact that like they got him in yearbook photos for groups that he wasn't a part of Mm -hmm. that he you know they even showed the one picture where they're like see the people in the in the doorway in the back that's us trying to get Dahmer to run into the photo and everything Mm -hmm. so like that's really funny by the way of all the pranks (laughs) to be doing I look at this one and I'm like that's actually really funny yeah it is and it's cruel to Dahmer because the joke is on it's a joke both on the photo and the people in it and the the person didn't qualify to the person itself Mm -hmm. so So, but that was like that is a description of him though is that like no one he was kind of a non-entity except for when he was being kind of strange with these people but beyond that he was just kind of around like and Mm -hmm. no one noticed him none of the teachers cared they I mean they knew about him like all the students as soon as you you were near him could smell that he was he just reeked of alcohol and and Mm -hmm. all this stuff and so it's just um um, it's heartbreaking because it's like if he just had someone give a shit, like really give a shit, could, could it have, have turned different. differently? I like turned out differently for him. And that's always the question that I have when it comes to Dahmer. I don't have that with many other serial killers, mm-hmm. but with Dahmer, that is it is one of those things where it's like, God, if he just had someone give a shit. Um, although next week's book is uh, a little similar to this. Yeah. Well, <laughs> well there are, um, from last podcast, too, there are like a few like hallmarks of like almost all serial killers that they will point out every once in a while. And be like, oh, childhood trauma, like head trauma, and like a few other things. Yeah, um, that serial killer soup kind of thing, yeah. where it's like, mm-hmm. okay, what are the ingredients? Here we go. And the vast majority is is you know negligent or abused, and yeah. Uh, yeah. and he was definitely neglected immensely. It, it's um, it's like that kids book, Rock Soup, or stone soup except for killers so yeah it's it's just it's heartbreaking it's heartbreaking um so yeah i just i will say the one part where he like had he had like taken the dog and then he was like he let him go and i'm like i don't remember i mean i know he like was big on roadkill mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i'm happy they didn't show him killing the dog although then they mm-hmm. showed the jackass fig or whatever mm-hmm. running the dog over which like <laughs> okay well yeah. Dahmer will go and the clean fact- it up yeah, that Durf guessed it was Fig first and Dahmer second mm-hmm. at the end, and you're like, how different were they? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's so. the you know, and the fact that they joked about like, oh, I wonder what he's doing. He's probably a serial killer. <laughs> and then you know, and he's like, yeah, we we I get that. Like, yes, we actually joked and laughed that he mm-hmm. was a serial killer, and it's like it's always the quiet ones you never <laughs> you never <laughs> think about. But that's you know, Dahmer's kind of where that whole thing came from was it's the quiet mm-hmm. ones you gotta mm-hmm. worry about well um, and yeah and next week's is sort of a similar sort of thing too actually. yeah yes yeah. yes yes ed gein is another one that's yes. um again heartbreaking it's just and i guess that's the other thing of it i think the reason i get into true crime isn't because i love all the gore and everything like i don't want to hear how yeah you would have loved crossed a lot more if that was the case yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's not, not my jam yeah. but 
I love all the, the it's the psychology, it's the background, it's yeah. the what is the why. It's not just it's why I love the it's why I love last podcast because um the research that they do is just so good on on so many of these. And they also they try to lighten the mood because this stuff is heavy. Reading yeah. this book, and Adam, you even said mm-hmm. to us, like it's heavy, but yeah. this was a really, I mean, this was actually easier for me to get through than the weeks of fantasy that we just did so um, well, that's because you're broken <laughs> well i am i mean i'm not gonna die but this is definitely more my my jam i just think it's interesting it's interesting to see people and the and the before the the shift happens of them they're like well it's like the whole runner thing mm-hmm. where he like he mm-hmm. stalks this runner and then he's like, all right, I'm going to do it today. And then who knows why, but the runner just didn't go running that day. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, thank God, because he would have been dead. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I but I I just I I like the things that are mm-hmm. like, what is the the kind of why behind it? And for Dahmer, it's pretty easy to see that he yeah. was already mentally unbalanced and then he just didn't have anybody to give a shit. Well, and then I also so. think that the one thing I think is potentially another contributing factor was just the 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 homophobia that was still very, very present mm-hmm. at the time. I think mm-hmm. if sure. he was in an environment where he might have been able to be a little bit more open about who he was, his uh, he may not have gotten so murderous, I guess. Uh, you know, because like some of those things were just experimentation. You know, I mean, at least as, as they're described, because they don't really give him the murders in this book. They, yeah. I mean, that's stuff I just know from other, like last podcast stuff like that, where they talk about like he was basically sort of like trying to create a zombie who would be his friend forever kind of thing um sort of in a really fucked up he, he would just if, if he could have come out he would have just had a little bit of murder as a treat so. uh, yeah i mean i don't know like i don't know i mean i don't even know if, if he would have gone to murder if, if he could have maybe been a little bit more open about himself maybe there was a little bit less self-hatred you know what i mean like i don't know how much of that culturally played into it you know it, it could be say, i mean though. it feels like a little bit of shakespeare richards the third his opening soliloquy goes well i don't have the stuff to be the hero so therefore i'm the villain and i'm mm-hmm. just going to be a bad mother because yeah. if I'm the villain, then that is the role I shall play. Shakespeare yeah. said that? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I must have read the different book in high school. I know, right? Well, that, <laughs> I wish I would have yeah. read that one. That one sounds way more interesting than the ones I read. <laughs> no. Richard III was great. I love that one. So, but it's, um, but you do have some of these people going. What's interesting here is it's written by a guy that actually knew him. And it's the, it paints a humanity on this person before their, I say the decision of the, they can't turn back. Mm-hmm. You know, everyone makes mistakes and if the mistakes are small, there is a place for, you know, making amends or moving on from it. But some mistakes is hard to move on from. Yeah. And so this is a picture of the guy and up to the point where he crosses the line. Mm-hmm. And it's not that we're going, and so we can sympathize with the situation. And it acknowledges the struggles he had and how he was so drunk because it must have been self-medicating for being such a, the things in his head and his urges been so deplorable, he himself hated it until he gave into it, but he did give into it. And so it doesn't negate his actions, mm-hmm. but it lends a little bit of, I see how that happened. Yeah, you know what I just realized from that? This is basically what the Star Wars prequels were trying to do. They were trying to make you understand and feel bad for Darth Vader and understand where he came from. Yeah, And then it was unsuccessful, whereas this book is actually very successful in that. 
We should go do and have a, some my friend Anakin. Yes, exactly. And written from Obi Wan's point of view as the memoir kind that of deal. Be... instead of Pedro and me. There's yeah. a my friend Anakin. Yeah, I mean, it would actually no, be but uh, it's absolutely true. Uh, it's been written by uh, Mace yeah. Windu because he didn't give a shit. So <laughs> true. There you go. <laughs> the voice but, of uh, of uh, Samuel L. Jackson being like this motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> what he did and it's and the style i mean this takes place in the 70s and it's i think the style i mean everyone has a horse face going on pretty much yeah it's but very it, much in fact actually mine has a quote from our crumb on the front of it as well it's very okay. much in that our crumb 70s sort of underground comic style like this is very right. much like this looks like our crumb for sure like if you didn't know any better you could say that it was our crumb um daniel clowns who's one of my gateway drugs to comics also not as drastic as this but has sort of a similar distortion to his character to them but sure and so watching it is um no one's painted as perfect mm-hmm. here or we were innocent or we had no idea it's painted of look at all these signs that we missed or we realized is weird and we wanted once i realized i stayed away because it creeped me out but it's something that could have been caught but wasn't and like where were the parents those jobs mm-hmm. whose it was were absent mm-hmm. and so it was the absenteeism the neglect allowed this to fester and mm-hmm. blossom as it were so it's um i mean he's not the uh it's just tragic all around it's just an absolute tragedy all around and there's no hero in the story and the fact that even Durfin near the end going we laughed about it years later now we're off is um he didn't try to repaint himself yeah as this thing there he's like yeah this is what I remember him this is what happened yeah I remember getting creeped out on the day going to the mall and he downed a six pack in ten minutes Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. it was nothing and at the same time but he didn't yeah he didn't try to repaint himself or have revisionist enough about himself of going here he's like I'm just as guilty as anyone else which but this did occur and this is the thing commendable and, for an author not not undercutting mm-hmm. their part in things not to say right. he is to blame but the fact that he is more than willing not necessarily more than willing but he is willing to be honest about the role he played is, is pretty fascinating sure mm-hmm. sure because you know i was trying to remember who said it's like um there was like there's three sides to every story there was my side your side and then what really happened mm-hmm. kind of a deal but you watch this here and he doesn't come out a hero he just comes out of a little bit of a Horatio observing the thing going on to tell what happened. Yeah. So, but yeah, it, it read, it wasn't the most difficult thing to get through. And it assumes you know what he did before you even start. So it's not like you're spoiling anything. He's like, we know what he did. We're not yeah. spoiling anything, but here is a portrait of a man whose exploits are known. So mm-hmm. it wasn't hiding anything. It wasn't trying to build up for a climatic twist. So it wasn't trying to fool you. It, it felt more like a biography of a thing right here so for this storytelling kind of mode it did list the series of events and it um did not try to be it avoided titillation mm-hmm. See, that's an atom word for you <laughs> but it avoided the titillation or trying to have drama or building things up and it was just like here's this this occurred we didn't do anything and then this occurred and i felt weird and then this occurred and that was sad and then mom left dad was gone that was the last we saw of him mm-hmm. until we heard yeah so it there's an emptiness to the gut and it makes you want to check in on your neighbor <laughs> you doing okay neighbor is there anything i can do for <laughs> yeah. you that's a little bit of what it does for me but yeah, yeah. and so it did its job really well 
well, but it's not the story structure is um, less traditional. No, I mean, it's <clears throat> it's very like in a biographical sense, it's very like linear as to what the time is, not necessarily like in the story. And also like theoretically speaking, <clears throat> excuse me, the climax of a show about or a book about Dahmer in any other circumstance would be either with the murders or with him getting caught. And this is mm-hmm. very specifically a chunk of his life. Mm-hmm. So it's not. Yeah. Cool. Um, Adam, what are your thoughts? So in the in the group text, I was I I think I posted the some about uh, this is a very very depressing book, uh, and it, it's for all the things we've already talked about, and also my drinking game. Uh, and I might actually do this again next week, as far as you know, drawing parallels. But we've talked before about the movie Joker, where you, it starts out where you have this very sympathetic person who fell through the cracks, had mental issues that should mm-hmm. have been addressed, mm-hmm. but weren't for whatever reason. Uh, whether it was in the movie a, a failed healthcare system, uh, just basically being trod upon by everyone in life or something like this where he just was a loser the outcast he was in the closet uh the book very specifically says that in junior high school he was just quiet people were kind of picked on him he was nerdy and then seventh eighth ninth he just kind of disappeared no one knew who he was and then in 10th grade when this book kind of starts when they're like and something changed so it almost makes you want to go back and wonder what was it and i don't mm-hmm. think the book really addressed what it was during that three-year period and they could have just been you know hitting puberty and figuring out oh god i'm gay what's going to happen here because that's just a huge taboo and we can say what we want about the hippies and free love but you know the the modern gay movement didn't begin well i guess 64 mm-hmm. but unless you lived like in new york or san francisco you you weren't surrounded by gay people i mean you were you just no one said anything mm-hmm. uh yeah you got in ohio yeah yeah <laughs> i mean hell it's, ohio is still kind of a pain in the ass when it comes mm-hmm. to that stuff so well, more more of the point that you know you you've got people who are gay around you but no one says anything mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. it's it's not that you don't have people in your life who you know are confirmed bachelors or have a really good roommate kind of thing um but yeah, just this this kid who was dealing with inner demons, and obviously it was all from his home life, from everything else going on. It was just like the perfect storm of stuff that would drive someone to madness, and that's what he dealt with. I mean, they even said like, I honestly, I could say that his point of being drunk the whole time, like they said, was maybe if I just do this, it'll go away. Mm-hmm. Maybe if I just numb it enough, it'll just the voices in my head will stop, and we'll never know what the exact voices in his head were saying. I mean, there's been interviews with them, and it's touched on in this. Uh, but just like you have a character who's very sympathetic and like oh my god how this is so horrible he eventually does make the choice at the end of the book when he makes the choice to kill the kill the one guy mm-hmm. and it's like okay now you just like in joker you've made that choice now you've crossed mm-hmm. and at that point in time you go from being sympathetic to being a monster because we've all gone through things in our lives that definitely could have taken us down a dark path but we did make a choice mm-hmm. now, that being said some of us you know those of us who have been to therapy or seen a doctor or been on medication that's that is a luxury some people don't have and who's to say where some people would be if they didn't have that but at the same time what the book does point out is like you have all these adults you have all these people around who know something's wrong no one stands up and says anything yeah no one's like oh my god this kid's fucked up what can we do to help him so are they culpable in what it becomes i would say it's a mixed answer because no they're not responsible but why didn't you stand up and say something and it could have just been because it was high school and high schoolers are assholes and don't want to make a scene or stand out unless they're making fun of someone else in which case it's totally fine to stand out because you're making them look like a a complete Uh dick um but no it was it was a very sad tale and i i everyone knows dom crimes and what he did and where it all ended up and the untold story as far as where it came from is always interesting like we're doing Ed Gein next month and I think more people kind of know about that just because of Psycho and uh, Silence of the Lambs but I don't think a lot of people really know the backstory of, of this horrific person who is that is like most horrific serial killer since Jack the Ripper mm-hmm. and I, I think that's a pretty apt description of who he was and what he did um, but no it just it was sad it was it was one of those things where if one person could have stood up stood up and done something could it have changed the course of 
not only this person's history, but the the dozens and dozens of people whose lives and whose families and friends' lives he ruined. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it goes back to like what what difference can one person make? I, I think that we could very easily see that one or maybe two or a handful of people could have made a huge difference in history. So I don't know. It was just, it was just depressing and it's sad because as much as it's kind of interesting to learn the stories of these people and find out where they came from and then how they were caught in the cat and mouse type game. It's like this this didn't have to happen. Yeah. This could have been changed. Or maybe it couldn't have. Who knows? Maybe by the time he got into high school and people noticed he was too far gone. I don't I don't know. Mm -hmm. Maybe if he'd been able to come out, it wouldn't have happened. Or maybe not. But it, it's just sad. It's it's a story that I think people need to know about because maybe mm-hmm. it'll give them the courage if they see something off to stand up and say something. But in the in the long run, it's just from this point on, to even to nowadays, it's just it's a tragedy. It's like mm-hmm. King Richard the Third. So yeah, cool. Um, I think that's a good place to uh, to leave this one. Um, Mr. Todd, what is your grade? B plus. Okay, uh, Lena. Uh, I'm gonna give it an A. I liked it. Um, again, I think this was way easier to get through than the movie that it was <laughs> yeah. that was based on. It. Um, and if you are interested in any true crime stuff, this is a pretty good one to start with. Yeah. Um, Mr. Adam. Uh, I'm going to go with an A minus for the same things that Lena said. I, I think for me, uh, I know I know why it was there, but the art was a bit distracting. I, I know the point behind it. That's it, It's not a slide against what they did. It just, for me, that was a bit of an attraction. So. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm going to side with Aunt Lena. I'm going to go with an A. I also just think it's a very interesting uh, piece of comics in general, like having a comic book telling a story. It's sort of like, in, in my mind, it's sort of like March in that way of like comics were used to tell this story mm-hmm. um, as the specific medium and using that medium very deliberately, which I think makes it mm-hmm. uh, very interesting and definitely worthwhile, even just on that front from like sort of a comic book history sort of idea. But cool. Um, so next week we are going on to happier things. Not really. <laughs> Um, <laughs> well, here we go. Yeah. Uh, so we're, as we talked about earlier, we're going to be uh, exploring uh, the backstory of Ed Gein, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, with a book called Did You Hear What Eddie Gein Done by Harold Schechter and illustrated by Eric Powell of uh, Goon, Goon fame. Um, Harold Schechter has written a lot of true crime uh, biographies and, and something like that uh, heavily, heavily researched guy. And also he'd written another book on uh, Ed Gein, kind of one of the, uh, the go-to books on the subject. So um, another book of like this was very specifically using the comic genre to tell the story and uh, I think it does it pretty well I also am very proud because I bought mine as a Kickstarter so mine is signed mm-hmm. by both the author Ooh. and the artist on the front page which is pretty cool oh, anyway, I know <laughs> I know I'm pretty proud of that so anyway um, we will be doing that next week um, until then thanks everybody for joining us and we will see you all later bye, bye. Nothing. I don't think we had much after that. That was just depressing. <laughs> <laughs>